thank you for joining us on our podcast. My name is Marcus DePaula, and I am here today at the Outreach Foundation with Executive Director Rob Weingartner. Thanks for being with us today, Rob. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Marcus. I wanted to start off by just asking you a little bit about the Outreach Foundation itself. I understand that it's been in existence for about four decades now. Is that right? Officially, we started in 1979, but the conversation that created the Outreach Foundation began a couple years earlier than that, when a group of church leaders, primarily from across the South, Presbyterian elders and pastors, got together out of a sense that mission and evangelism were slipping off the radar of the church, and they were looking for new ways of connecting congregations and individuals with what God was doing in the world. When did you get involved, and how did you get to become the executive director? Well, it's a long story, which I'll just describe briefly. Um, I'd become involved in Presbyterian mission at the denominational level, and also with groups that were working on the renewal of churches, and came to be convinced that renewal in the church that doesn't result in mission and the church's participation in what God's doing in the world really wasn't biblical. And so bringing together this focus on mission and congregational renewal, um, working on those kinds of issues in the, in the denomination, I was invited to come on the outreach board right at the time that my predecessor, Bill Bryant, was retiring. Okay. And so at my first board meeting, I was elected to be the executive director. Wow. <laughs> from trustee to executive director in half a meeting. It was just such a great privilege because I felt like I was coming to work alongside of my heroes, and then that shifted a bit and I got to work for my heroes. That's great. I hear the word connecting at the Outreach Foundation a lot and connecting people with God's work in the world. What does that actually look like? Well, I first really noticed what God was doing in the world when I had a chance to travel to Africa in the mid-90s. And my thinking about mission at that point was, well, it was sort of old-fashioned. I was thinking about mission as being from the West to the rest, from the haves to the have-nots, from us to them. And what I experienced on that trip was a rich, vital, dynamic church that had things to teach us, things to show us, yes. ways to help us understand in our own context what it looked like to follow Jesus faithfully. And so that was a connection for me, developing relationships with Christians and other cultures and contexts. And that really continues to be at the heart of our work as a mission organization. There's funding that's a big part of what we do, but underneath it all is connecting people. Hmm. Sometimes I, I describe our work this way. It's traveling around the United States and making friends in the church, traveling around the world and making friends in churches around the globe, mm -hmm. and then introducing our friends to each other. That's the connection. I love that. So it's not internally driven. It's more connecting churches with other churches around the world. Well, yes. The Outreach Foundation itself has some long and deep relationships, some friendships that are sort of our priority in terms of where we take people on trips and where we make those introductions. But it's really not driven by projects or programs. It's driven by those friendships that we've established down through the years. That's great. Working in ministry, we hear questions about what mission looks like and how important it is in the church. What does that look like here for the Outreach Foundation from a biblical perspective and also from what you've experienced out in the world? Well, I think the church has learned a lot about what it means to be faithfully engaged in God's mission. 
I mentioned already, it's not about a one-way flow of resources. It's really about a sharing of gifts back and forth as we connect and make relationships with God's people. But some of the practical things that we see, you know, there are churches that go out into the world with good intentions and unintentionally do damage, Mm. especially if they're doing things for people that the people can do for themselves. Right. Or if they're focused more on their own goals than they are on the growth and building up of the church in the places where they're serving. Gotcha. I remember when the Iron Curtain fell and the mission agencies flooded into the former Soviet states, and a lot of mistakes were made because many of those people who went in forgot that there were Christians already there. Mm. And so they didn't recognize the work of the Baptist church and even faithful Orthodox Christians and went in with their own plan and their own purposes, and a lot of those organizations left. Mm because they found that they couldn't understand the context well enough to work effectively. And I think that the mistake they made was not partnering with the church that was already at work, that God was already using, even through those times of the communist control of of the Soviet Union. Mm. So relationships are essentially what you're saying is kind of at the core of these connections. How do those relationships set up the opportunity for us as a church and as individual followers of Christ to experience God in a new way and to grow spiritually? That's a great question. The significance of relationships in Christian growth and service. I love it that we don't read in John that God so loved the world that he wrote a check. Right. <laughs> it was out of God's love for the world that he sent his son. Yes. As, as Eugene Peterson renders the verse 14 of John 1, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Right. So the gospel is, I think, very much all about relationships. Mm. It's about reconciliation with our maker. It comes through faith in Christ. It's about the way followers of Jesus are unified by the working of the Holy Spirit and gifted to live for Christ in the world. The way that relationships between people, between people of different races and cultures, Mm. can be reconciled through a common faith in Christ as we acknowledge that we all belong at the foot of the cross. And I don't want to oversimplify that. But through relationships is the manner in which the gospel is expressed Mm. and received Mm -hmm. and works and becomes visible. So for us, it really is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who are troubled about what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. and aren't quite sure what to do about things or Mm -hmm. how to respond to things. And one of the blessings of the deep relationships that the Outreach Foundation has is we can give people opportunities to respond in personal ways that will transform the lives of others. So for example, it's out of a deep relationship with the Presbyterian churches in Lebanon and Syria that during the last now more than seven years of of fighting in Syria, we've been able to help people share resources with congregations in Syria Mm -hmm. that have kept the witness to Christ alive, strengthened the churches, and also put in their hands resources that they've used in the midst of the fighting to share the good news and the hope of the gospel Mm -hmm. with people who don't know Jesus Christ. It was interesting. We had, um, and again, it comes out of the relationships that we have with the church in the Middle East. But a couple of years ago, we were ranked as one of the highest rated religious charities by Charity Navigator, Mm -hmm. which is a not-for-profit rating organization. And one week they listed a group of organizations that were working in Syria that had a high rating. Mm -hmm. And I think we were the highest rated religious organization on that list. 
and there was a man in Cambridge, Massachusetts, who wanted to do something about Syria, who saw that listing and sent us a check for $10,000. Wow, that's amazing. Didn't know a thing about us. Yeah. But somehow, I think, perceived he could trust our relationship with the church there Mm -hmm. as we described the way that we serve. Mm -hmm. How long has it been since Outreach Foundation has been serving the people in that part of the world? Well, when we brought one of my colleagues, Marilyn Borst, on our staff, she had already been involved in the Middle East for probably a decade at least, maybe more. Okay. So we have decades of personal experience. But primarily, we work with Presbyterian partners around the world, historic Presbyterian partners. So our denominations and our tribe— have been in relationships for a century or more. Mm -hmm. And we draw upon the depth and richness of those relationships even today. It's Christians in the church here, connecting with Christians in the church there. And that's so important because it's easy for a congregation or a mission agency to go into a place and ignore the church Mm -hmm. and make mistakes, Mm -hmm. even do damage. So the the long-term relationships help us to discern how to build wisely, Mm -hmm. how to use resources wisely. But as we kind of build those relationships and connect with each other and experience that transforming power of Christ's Spirit, we also then are better able to discern what we need to receive. So again, mission is about sharing gifts among members of the body of Christ in ways that build us up to be a blessing to those who don't know Jesus. That's great. So what are some of the relationships that the Outreach Foundation has made that you've seen transformation in a community because of the building and connecting process that the Outreach Foundation has brought? There is a strong connection between the transformation and the connecting and the building. A good example would be our partnership with the Presbyterian Church in East Africa. Okay. Over the last 15 years with the PCEA, we've built over 300 church buildings. Wow. But those aren't church buildings where we just kind of marched in and did our thing. The projects came out of deep partnerships where congregations are giving lavishly of their own resources and giving more than they can. And we're coming along with gifts that complement what they've invested. Mm. And so together we build something that strengthens the mission of the church that they couldn't do on their own Mm. and that we couldn't do on our own. So it really does become a partnership. And what we've found is that as we build the buildings, we're also building the church. Hmm. Because out of these relationships and training programs that we've established, we see the capacity of the church there being strengthened for a witness to the gospel. And our churches that participate personally and through their prayers and gifts are also strengthened to respond to what God is doing in our context. Hmm. So it's building structures, schools and churches and wells and things like that. But out of that building comes a building up of the body of Christ in ways that strengthen the witness to the gospel in places like Kenya or Tanzania, places like Nashville or Poughkeepsie. In these places where these churches are being built, it's more than just building this structure for people to come and worship together, which obviously is very important. Here in the United States, most churches just get used on Sundays and maybe Wednesday, or maybe there's a child care program in there. But seeing how valuable these structures become, not just to the worshiping community, but to the community as a whole, as a place for people to come together 
and help each other, whether it's with school programs or work, vocational training programs. And there's even some of the buildings, I think, in Kenya that get repurposed once mm-hmm. they build a larger sanctuary. The, the smaller, older building becomes a classroom. Is that right? That is exactly what happens. And often, even before that second church building, the larger church building is constructed, the original building is being used for classrooms in a, in a primary school. Mm-hmm. Kind of historic Christian institutions that uh, Western mission agencies have founded around the world, built, as it were. Mm-hmm our hospitals, schools, and churches. Gotcha. And with our partners in East Africa, often the churches are used as schools soon after the the building is done. So again, it's building up the community as we put up buildings in partnership with Christians in those places. And that's where the connection comes in, is that right? It's different kinds of connections. Okay. And one connection, of course, is between our churches and and donors and our partners in other parts of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. But often those gifts and those relationships allow our partners in other places in the world to connect with their own neighbors, kind of to serve on their mission field in new and dynamic ways. For example, a big part of our making connections is taking people on trips with us to meet our partners around the world. And it was probably about 10 years ago, I took a group of Presbyterians from a church in Thomasville, Georgia, Mm -hmm. to Cuba. And one of the places we visited was a Presbyterian church in a suburb of Havana called Guanabacoa. Hmm. And as they got to know each other, not just during that visit, but through subsequent conversations and visits, what they discovered was the Guanabacoa church outside of Havana was in a neighborhood where there were a lot of people living with personally or had loved ones living with HIV AIDS. Hmm. And there just wasn't much being done to serve them and care for them. But there were a couple doctors, a couple Cuban doctors, who had a vision for the congregation establishing a ministry to serve those people. Mm-hmm. The group in Thomasville loved that vision, and there was no way that they could serve those people, but they could share resources that would fund the ministry of the Guanabacoa Church. So they're connecting through this shared commitment to a ministry of people living with HIV-AIDS And it allowed the Cuban church to serve those people and families Mm. in some remarkable ways. And in fact, I think now for five years in a row, that program has been cited by the Cuban government as an example of effective social service. Wow. The church reaching into the community to serve those families. That's amazing. One of the amazing things about this partnership between these two churches is that they're doing together what neither one of them could do on their own. Gotcha. And that's where the connections become so important. We have gifts to share. Our partners have gifts to share. And when we come together and share them, it opens up all kinds of new opportunities in places like Cuba or Kenya, in places like Nashville or Denver, to serve in ways that disclose God's glory and grace. Mm. Underneath it all, Marcus, is our conviction that there's only one thing to do with good news, and that's to share it. Absolutely. And the gospel is the very best news of all. So as we build these connections, as we join with God's people in other places, the focus of what we do is always on building their capacity and our capacity to be faithful witnesses to that gospel. I feel like every Christ follower needs to have that mindset. And there's a real need here, an opportunity for people to actually get involved instead of just talking about it. Well, and I think in a society where 
churches have become so expert at marketing religious goods mm-hmm. to consumers. Mm-hmm. It feels that way sometimes. Yes. It's a whole different way of thinking about what it means to follow Jesus if we recognize that in our baptisms, we're commissioned into a mission society mm. and that we're all called to bear witness. Now, maybe not in places far away, maybe just in our own communities, in sure. our schools or places of business. What I see in the U.S. is that too many churches, no matter what they say about God's love and about their mission, their purpose, live as though they exist primarily for the sake of themselves. Absolutely. And this vision of, well, it really is through connecting with the global church that that I myself caught a fresh vision for how mission isn't just something the church does, but it really is at the core of the church's identity. Mm -hmm. The people of God called to bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ in the world. And these connections, like you said, with the trips— allowing people to go over and individually get to experience, not just through their church by making donations, but get to actually face-to-face, make the connection, and then to witness these transformations that are happening. Exactly. And those transformations are not only in the people around them, Mm. but often the first transformation they see is in their own life. Yes. You know, it's very typical for a group of American Christians to go to another part of the world and come back and say, wow, I'll never think about my life the same way because those people were so poor, but they were joyful. Yes. And those are accurate observations, but they just kind of scratch the surface. Yes. Because poverty isn't a good thing. Right. And uh, so we don't want to celebrate how God's using poverty in somebody else's life. What we experience and are exposed to is our own poverty, Mm -hmm. our spiritual poverty. And again, we discover that brothers and sisters in other contexts and cultures have things to share with us mm-hmm. that will shape our lives and shape our understanding of discipleship. And so that transformation isn't just what we affect in someone else's life, as important as that is. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are hungry should be fed. Mm-hmm. People who are living under injustice need to be free. And we're called to, in a holistic way, in word and deed, demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ. But Always the life that is most being changed is our own. Yes. If we're trying to follow Jesus faithfully. Absolutely. It is amazing to see what happens to people or what can happen on these trips that we take, where people go as I did, thinking that mission was primarily a, a one way flow of resources, and discover yes, there are gifts that we have that need to be shared. It's a part of our faithful stewardship, part of our discipleship. But at the same time, they're gifts that we can receive. Mm -hmm. And that sharing of gifts, as Paul describes it in his metaphor of the church's body of Christ, you know, there are different gifts, different parts of the body. It builds up the church for God's mission in the world. We've heard about how individuals can be transformed through the trips and through getting involved with these churches across the globe. How have you seen church congregations and communities being transformed through this work? Well, I have seen it, and it's encouraging. I'd like to see a lot more of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, congregations discovering that they don't exist for the sake of themselves Mm -hmm. and actually living that out. I was sort of consulting with the church in eastern Pennsylvania a number of years ago. They wanted me to come and preach and talk about mission as the purpose of the church and what that meant to live for Christ in the world in ways that exhibited his goodness and grace. And so I went, and I met with the session, and I met with the mission committee, and kind of did a workshop and some training with them, preached on Sunday, spoke about the growth of the church around the world in Sunday school. 
and uh, came home, and I didn't hear anything from them, mm. literally for several years. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder what's happening there. And the pastor called me, and he said, all right, we've done it. What comes next? <laughs> I said, what do you mean you've done it? And he said, every single board and committee of this church has at its heart a vision for serving others mm. in ways that make God's love real. From the Sunday school to the fellowship to the building and grounds committee, from the trustees to the deacons to the session, he said it now permeates everything that we do and how we think about all that we do. What comes next? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, do not weary in (laughs) well-doing. Let's get together and talk about it. So we did. I went went out there again, and we celebrated this new vision for the purpose of the church Mm -hmm. and the transformation that they'd experienced, and they continue to reach out into their community and across the oceans to be a blessing to others in Jesus' name. It was just exciting to see how that congregation, really by just paying attention to the words and life of Jesus, Mm. was transformed in their self-understanding and in the way they are present in the world. That's wonderful. So what's the most unique or amazing way that you've seen God at work through the eyes of the Outreach Foundation? Well, it really is a privilege to do what I do because of the way I'm invited into relationships uh, through my staff and through others across the church. The thing that comes first to mind, Marcus, is closer to home. It was right here in Nashville Mm. where a group of Presbyterian men from First Presbyterian Church had been visiting a group of prisoners in one of the prisons up on the north side of Nashville. And one of the men from the church shared he was going to be going to Africa, and the prisoners asked him to bring back a report. Huh. And it was easy to do because there was a reporter from Channel 5 on the trip who had a cameraman with him. And so when they returned, the Presbyterian man who was part of this group took some of the videotape in, and the prisoners were just stunned. Finally, one of them said, men, we've got it better than those kids, because the pictures showed kids living in the streets, living in the bush. This was in the height of the HIV-AIDS pandemic in mm-hmm. Africa. He said, we've got it better than those kids. We've got to do something for them. Mm-hmm. And so they started, you know, these guys that made 35 cents an hour working in, in the grounds and the library and the laundry started saving money. And they saved, I think, it's about $600 that they sent over to an orphanage in Zambia. Wow. And the director, when he received this gift from a group of prisoners in Tennessee, he was a friend of ours. We had a deep relationship with this elder in Zambia. He couldn't believe it. He wrote back an effusive letter of thanks to these prisoners who are hardly ever thanked or praised for anything, as you might imagine. Yeah, They were so encouraged, they said, well, let's find out what else we can do. So they wrote back to this elder through my Presbyterian friend, and he said, I, I need a dormitory for girls. It'll cost $10,000. Wow. <laughs> and the prisoners, you know, they just kind of slumped into their chairs. It might have as well have been $10 million, but Right. But the same guy got up and he said, man, there's no way we can raise $10,000, but God can do it. Mm. And so calling themselves the men of journey, they began talking to family members, to other prisoners. And when I went over to that orphanage in Zambia, I stood in the building that was paid for by those prisoners. Wow. It was an amazing thing to see how these men shut away by society for having done horrible things, found a joy in reaching through prison bars and across an ocean to bless children in Jesus' name. Hmm. It really was extraordinary. And it's that same blessing that we receive when we reach beyond ourselves to serve others in ways that make Christ's love real. 
And uh, it's my privilege, it's outreach's privilege to see that happen all around the world and to invite people into the relationships of, of building and connecting that transform even our lives. It never ceases to amaze me hearing these stories of how one little door opened ends up leading to this whole sequence of events and this small action by one person ends up affecting a large group of people for the glory of God's kingdom and and bringing more people to Christ. I just love hearing stories like this. Well, Marcus, it's been a joy to talk with you, and I love that image of holding doors. I think, in a sense, that's what we do, is we, we hold the door open so people can pass from here to there and find common cause in the calling of God's mission. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today speaking with us, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the podcast. You can find out more about the Outreach Foundation at theoutreachfoundation.org.